Hey everybody, welcome back. Welcome back. We are here. Mm-hmm. It is a Tuesday. Yeah. Are you listening? <laughs> <laughs> Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. Tuesdays are honestly, I don't really like Tuesdays much, but I feel like knowing that the podcast comes out on Tuesday makes me happy. So hopefully it makes you guys happy too. Yeah. I mean, I feel like Tuesday is definitely better than a Monday. I'm one of those people that like like 7 a.m. on a Monday, I'm like, yeah, fresh start, new week. This is great. 7.01 a.m. on a Monday, I'm like, boo, <laughs> Monday. 7.01. So, like, I feel I feel all of the ways about Mondays. And you Tuesdays are just meh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're gross. But you know what? Wednesdays and Thursdays, you're practically to Friday. So mm-hmm. I love Thursdays, actually, because Thursdays, it's like the day before you go on a trip. It's already yeah, cool. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like you're looking forward to it. It's part of the excitement of the it's weekend. Ex- exactly. So I actually love Thursdays because it's like I've always said it's like my second Friday because of mm-hmm. when we pick up the kids. It's like either if if it's our weekend with the kids, then you know it's like a Friday before we get the kids, or if it's our weekend without the kids, it's like the Thursday is our our Friday with the kids. You know, mm-hmm. so it's like no matter what, Thursdays are always fun because it's it's something to look forward to yeah that's amazing i love thursdays too love thursdays but today's Mm. a tuesday and we're all gonna have a good tuesday also we are we're gonna put some positive energy out there we're gonna have a fun conversation today exactly you know what we're putting it out there if any of you is waiting for good news or to hear back from something you're getting good news today you're hearing back from that one yes It is coming. Whatever okay. you're waiting for, it's just around the corner. Yes, absolutely. Okay, let's just start reading out fortune cookies at the beginning of this. Oh my god! Honestly, wouldn't that be fun? I'm sure there's like an app or a website that you can ra- that you can hit a button and it randomly assigns you a, a tiniest cookie. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly what we need. We need to read everyone's fortune. I think that would be so much fun. That would be super fun. It would be like all of us for yeah yeah we're collectively in the same group it's like this one little fortune cookie for all yes there has to be one fortune cookie generator well this is the thing make my fortune okay you guys Ooh, yes, let's message do it right now we're gonna test it out right now our message for today is when fear hurts you conquer it and defeat it that was kind of bland Ooh. but if it resonates with some of you there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so, you know, I'm going to jump right into what I learned this week. Okay. So, um, yesterday, I decided randomly, because I get antsy in the house when it's warm outside. I have a hard time just being in the house. Like, I have to get out and frolic. And so, I was trying to come up with something that I could do, but I also had, like, things that I also needed to do. And on that needed to do list was work out and pick up an air fryer from my mom's. And Mm. so my idea was to hop on my bike and ride 9.2 miles down to my mom's house where she would then take me, the bike and the air fryer home. That way (laughs) I was getting my exercising in, but I was also picking up the air fryer Mm -hmm. by making her bring it to my house, which is hilarious. But so that was my plan. Um, and so I, I, I head off from my house. My, my bike tires are these cool, like, 
they're tubeless bike tires I guess and so it's like a hard foam tire in there and so like if you get prickers or something like it can't go completely flat like you can always ride on it oh only nice. it somehow went like a little bit flat <laughs> so mm-hmm. after leaving and riding a mile and a half I had to turn around and come back home and pump my tires back up <laughs> because I forgot my little bike pump that I keep in my backpack normally mm. so that's like first lesson is like make sure you have everything you need before you go mm-hmm. um but then, so I, I, I pumped up my tires and I was like, okay, I'm going to try again. So I head out again and I make it another five miles down the road. And then this crazy thing happened where my chain slipped, which has happened to me oh, before, but normally if you yeah. keep pedaling, it like just catches it and like brings right. it back up on, you know, where it needs to be. Only the craziest thing happened where the chain came off. And then wrapped around the bike pedal as I was pedaling. What? Yeah, I was like this weird, weird situation on the side of the road where my bike chain was wrapped like six times around my pedal because I was pedaling so fast because I was trying to beat the specific time that I had set for myself to Mm -hmm. get to my mom's house. Because I I was like, I bet I can make it 45 minutes. I'm going to make it in 45 minutes. I'm going to push myself. And so I was pedaling so fast that the chain just like up and came around the pedal and it was terrible. That's and crazy. so can you fix it yourself? At that so point? here, here's where like the lesson of the day comes in. At that point I was like, okay, the universe is trying to tell me not to go further because I have now had two things happen, like two kind of weird things happen that tell me like not to keep going, uh-huh. you know? So I'm over on the side of the road and I call my mom and she's like, okay, I'll come pick you up because my mom has a bike rack on her. So it's like easy for her to grab me in the bike. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm waiting on the side of the road and these super, super nice people that live in the house that I broke down in front of came yeah. out and apparently their kid is like some kind of like a bike connoisseur mm. and he came out and like fixed me up in like five minutes. He, like, was able to, like, loosen the chain and, like, take the tire off and, like, get me back going. So I could technically go again. But instead, I chose to, like, listen to the universal signs and just go home. Nice. Nice. And so I guess that's my lesson of the week is, like. I'm proud of you. Listen to the universe because I, I truly felt like, okay, for whatever reason, this is where I should be stopping. And I shouldn't be going further. Wow. So that was my lesson of the week. I don't I don't usually get universal signs very often, but I don't know. I felt that one was pretty profound for the entire chain to come off. And when you and know wrap you it around know. the pedal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. We've talked about intuition before. And sometimes you just need to do it. Who knows? Like, yeah, who knows what would have happened? And actually, I'm not gonna get into the whole thing, but yesterday something weird happened. And right before that, I had this gut feeling that I I'm ready to go home. I wasn't having a bad time or anything, but I was like, I think this is my time. And then I pushed it and I stayed and something bad could have happened. Right, right. It's true. You just have to listen to like that gut feeling. And honestly, there's so many people, even when 9-11 happened, that had the feeling that they had to leave. They didn't know why, but they had to listen and they were saved. Or when there was the attack on I think it's the New York subway or on a plane I think it was on a plane and some people were like 
I just don't know why, but I shouldn't be taking this plane. And they listen to their gut. Think about how crazy that is that they're about to take a flight and for literally no reason other than they got than their gut feeling, they don't take it. But then oh to God, be validated and to be saved from a terrorist attack that, that killed the entire plane, that's huge. That is huge. Like I don't I don't know that I've ever had like such a strong feeling that way. Mm-hmm. That like I would stop an entire something that I like spent a lot of money on, like like a plane ticket, you know. Like if you're just like, you know what? No, I'm not getting on this plane. You don't get that money back, you know. You like to have a feeling so yeah. strong that you're willing to risk like that that loss. That yeah. is wild. You're always going somewhere. Like, are you gonna not see your family? Are you gonna throw away the hotel money? Like, yeah, whatever you're yeah. going, you're literally also risking everything. But right what would it take for you like what kind of signal or feeling would it take for you to not take a plane to somewhere where you have a hotel and everything I don't know like I feel like I would need some like serious like gut pangs or like I don't know I would really have to have a really really strong feeling not to do it or Mm -hmm. I feel like also backing it up with um like some kind of evidence or like if I had some other reason to to feel that there was a risk although I will out myself now um there was this one time I was in an airport and some dude came by and he was like I just gotta run to the bathroom really quick and like mm-hmm. left his bags oh which oof. they always tell you not to like that's a, not to that's do a bad bad yeah yeah, yeah. and Is so I, with you well he just like sat them next to me and oh, so I was God, like oh no. oh farts no, 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 like no oh no, like, is this a thing? Or is this just some dude? And so like, I sat there for a minute. And I was like, contemplating, like, what do I do? Like, like, I don't know, I've also traveled alone. And it is insanely hard to take all of your bags into the bathroom. So like, I also get it, you know? And so I was like, oh, crap, oh, crap, oh, crap. So I end up like, I don't know, he ends up coming back. He ends up coming back for them. And so I was like, okay, like, it was I'm sure it was fine because like he's like resumed his bags you know <laughs> like mm-hmm. he's he's taken them again but the entire time on the plane he ended up sitting like two seats in front of me and I watched him the entire time because oh, I God. was like if this God. man makes any moves I'm taking him down <laughs> but it was like perfectly <laughs> fine <laughs> I was so terrified <laughs> I was so nervous I just wasn't sure like like is it totally fine like this is exactly what they tell you not to do does it yeah it's uh, like that. I could not have bared the feeling yeah I, I don't know it was terrifying I guess in that case I had like the reverse gut check at the same time where I was like it feels okay it feels okay but I was also terrified because I was like oh god like what if it's not okay and the weird thing it was okay. when also you start overthinking so on Tuesday I went so I drove my friend back to the airport. I had another friend stay with me until Tuesday. And I drove him back. So he had been sitting on the passenger seat. And then after dropping him off, I was meeting for a friend to w- go watch this movie, which I recommend. It's called Profile. But it's about how terrorist organizations recruit people from the U.S. and Europe. And mm. it's, it's based on a true story. It's crazy. Okay. But it's one of those I would love to watch that. You should totally go. But it's one of those movies that leave you with this weird feeling inside of unsettling and like you're not safe on this earth anymore. Mm-hmm. And when I got out, the 
is it called what is it the the mirror that like you put down when it's sunny like that thing mm-hmm. it was yeah. down and i didn't remember it being down from when i first came in and the thing is the people that parked next to me they were acting super weird and i remember telling my friend i don't know why i got a weird feeling with this guy and he's coming to the movies and the movies is one of those places where if there's a shooting like you're pretty done <laughs> and right I, right her and i we were sitting at the back and she went to the bathroom and i was just struggling until she came back i just had this weird feeling like the guy gave me the weirdest vibes and now i'm alone here like and then she came back and i was like okay it's fine but then that movie leaves you like unsettled and then i got out and i just i don't know i started overthinking like what if he's here what if he planted something in my car and i was so close to calling the police but i was like if there's nothing like he's gonna somehow i think they still write a report on you and stuff and that's weird so i'd rather just not have anything on my record if there's nothing but what if some like the police stops me or something and there's something mm-hmm. in my car I didn't know so I was searching I didn't really find anything but I was like these people are professionals like if they put something obviously I'm not gonna find it just by looking under my seat <laughs> I was so overwhelmed that but I also was like honestly you didn't sleep much this past week with your friend here also this movie makes you feel so weird because it's based on a true story and so the super quick the movie plot is like she's a journalist and she gets an assignment to get information on the recruitment process by putting herself trying to get recruited and she ends up leaving the whole thing and falling in love with the guy and oh man and she was engaged and everything and starts like not living a double life but like the, the her boss is like i think we're good like you're taking it too seriously and she ends up actually going to syria and right before so apparently to go to syria like that you go from she lives in london london to turkey and then turkey to syria and when she was in turkey she called the guy and he's like i'm not gonna be able to pick you up tomorrow she's like but you promise you promise like there had been these little red flags and he's like this guy will come get you instead and they were talking in arab and she recorded it because he was still part of the documentary Mm-hmm. And she got this gut feeling, talking about gut feelings, and sent it to one of the guys in IT whose mom was Syrian to translate. And he was going to sell her to a human trafficking ring oh, after, no. pretend, after pretending he was going to marry her for months. Like, I believe. Oh, it. my God. That is so, like. Yeah. Ugh, stuff like yeah. that just makes my stomach ache in a way just because god i shouldn't have told you because the movie's so good i just re- i just realized that i spoiled <laughs> it for you oh no god. no no i don't feel that way at all uh, and i okay. think i mentioned before i actually enjoy spoilers like i like to know what i'm getting into Me i'm the kind too. of person that will read a book and if like if, if that book like is not like captivating me from the beginning i'll like flip to the end chapter and like read some of that and i'm like mm, okay i guess i'll continue or I'll be like, yeah, maybe not. And that's how okay. I decide if I really want to read a book or not. So I'm not worried. <laughs> okay, good. I'm not worried. You still watch it. It was such a crazy movie. And you know the crazy thing? is there, There's never any images from like a camera from, from outside. It's all like the movie screen. It's the computer screen. Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, it's crazy. Anyways, you should watch it. But okay. Let's okay, not- I will have to watch it. <laughs> Um, so for my lesson of the week, I've been trying to redecorate because I feel like lately I've been feeling like my apartment is a little transitional and it's not really like decorated. So I've been decorating. And one thing that I first noticed is that 
I had so many like boxes from electronics and random things around and even just tossing things out and just throwing away things I didn't need and so many clothes that I'm going to donate that already makes it feel like it looks more beautiful so mm-hmm. I think when redecorating instead of starting by buying things my lesson of the week is start with declutter decluttering so you can see more of your space sorry my dog Ooh, I like that <laughs> yeah so... who wants to join let's hop in on the conversation <laughs> <laughs> yeah he's like I, why am I never invited oh and another lesson go on Facebook marketplace so I've been wanting to buy side tables like uh, bedside tables mm-hmm. and they're kind of pricey and then I went on Facebook marketplace there's people selling them right out out of the box like they're not even assembled they're brand new for Ooh, like half the price yeah and there's so many things like that and I love the idea that instead of going to a landfill and or put, pulling one more from the market you're just using one that's already out there it's already going to go to the landfill at some point and you're putting money back into your community. So I love everything about buying from other people. I just, I'm very picky about something being as new as possible and obviously as clean as possible. Like I'm really, that grosses me out a little bit to think that it's been used for years and stuff. But there's so many new things and even package still things that I recommend. So to listen. That's to- awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I actually have found cool stuff on Facebook Marketplace. And, like, same same thing where I would much rather, like, do the whole reduce, reuse thing. Mm-hmm. And I don't know. There's something kind of special about finding something that is unique or, like, doesn't really get sold anymore. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's just kind of a more unique item. You know, people aren't going to find it in the store immediately. My pet peeve, though, is when someone tries to sell something used for the same price that you would buy it on Amazon. Oh, yeah. I'm like, never buying deal. that from you. <laughs> exactly. I'm never buying that from you. You're trying to play me. This is you not doing this. Like, I know that I'm also making you a favor buying this from you because I've sold things in there. And it makes me incredibly happy when someone takes my thing that I'm wanting to get rid of and gives me money for money for it. So if you're trying to be smart about it, I'm not doing it. It's my biggest pet peeve. bothers me so much. Yeah. I can totally agree with that one too. Mm-hmm. My dad's like a huge proponent of getting a good deal. He's mm-hmm. always like, "Oh, you gotta wait for the good deal. Mm-hmm. Don't just buy it. Check for a good deal." Yes, I love that. Speaking of dads, speaking of dads, <laughs> speaking of dads, this is going to be our topic today. Yeah, we are going to chat about our parents and. Mm-hmm you know, just kind of what our upbringing was like and, you know, times that we know that we forced our parents out of their comfort zone Mm -hmm. or times that like we recognized our parents' growth and that like transitioned down to us and taught us something really great Mm -hmm. Um, or times that like we just looked at our parents' struggles and learned something from it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And how, what things maybe we would change yeah like what we would do a little bit differently exactly things that you recognize because they were in your upbringing you've had to work on later and maybe we can kick it off with this quote from Oprah which is very fitting she said the parents main task is to mess up their kids so they spend the rest of their life cleaning it up (laughs) (laughs) that's hilarious that is so funny 
from our childhood, we get our best memories, we get the most valuable lessons. But I think there's definitely, like, if you think about it, every trauma, everything that you may go to therapy for today, probably started, it always goes back to childhood. So I definitely think it, it offers the best lessons. But also, like, you're, most of your traumas come from there somehow yeah it's always linked to somewhere in childhood right right well and so in my um family I am the the oldest child Mm -hmm. out of only two and so my parents nowadays have always joked they're like oh Sarah you know you you were our guinea pig you know Uh so like shout out to all the firstborns out there who were the guinea pig while like parents are trying to navigate this incredibly difficult task Mm -hmm. of like raising a human which is insane to me that like I don't know like it there's a lot to it for sure Mm -hmm. like any parent out there I have so much respect for if you are sticking around and you are doing everything you can to make the best for your child yeah yeah honestly it's very intimidating and even, you know what, it's the most intimidating, and I've heard this before, because there's this vlogger that I follow, and she just had a kid, and she's like, I can't explain to you the feeling when you first leave the hospital with your kid, and there's no one at the hospital, they're like, teaching you things, once you leave, this human's life is entirely in your life, no one's coming for it, no one's telling you how to do things, it's you, your partner, and this tiny thing that doesn't tell you how they're feeling or anything, and you need to keep them alive. That moment right there scares me to death. Oh, yeah, that's totally terrifying. Totally terrifying. Well, and I, I've talked about it before, you know, it's like I have kids that live with me now mm-hmm. and they're amazing. They're absolutely amazing. And they will bring questions to me mm-hmm. that are like tough or difficult questions. Mm-hmm. And it's always hilarious because I, I'm, I'm like, okay, like am I qualified to answer this question <laughs> in the best way <laughs> because like I I've been asked some like wild things mm. like one of them asked like why why we have different parts interesting what did you say I, I and not know what to say. I was just like well I don't know I was like we're just born and people have different parts you know you're either a boy or you're a girl and the, like you get those parts and they're just different and it's okay <laughs> and also and how pure is that question because i feel like in the times of tiktok and everything because the kids are between 8 and 12 right yeah yeah i feel like there may not be that many kids left on this planet that are between the ages of 8 and 12 that still would have that question with social media and tiktok and everything to shout so shout out to how pure those kids are <laughs> I know, I know. The the older one is on TikTok a lot and he I don't know, he's he's still very pure, you know. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. But like, yeah, I it was that. hilarious. That's it was one hilarious. of those moments where I was like, Oh crap. Oh mm-hmm. crap. Well, and not to mention I also have um uh an artwork book of like impressionist artworks. Mm-hmm. And uh one of them found it and had opened it and it had like some nude figures. Mm-hmm. And so then they also asked me like why it's okay to show the body mm-hmm. and it's fully new. And you're like free to nipple. And I, I was just like, uh, <laughs> I was like, well, I was like historically, a lot of these paintings are historic. 
Mm-hmm. And bodies are something we can all relate to because we have one. Mm-hmm. And so it's valuable. And so I was like trying to find like a really good, like very scholarly, very, <laughs> very mature, but also like age appropriate way to explain, you know, mm-hmm. why, why everyone's naked in all these paintings. And I was just like, wow, these are, these are tough, <laughs> tough <laughs> questions. They, do you ever say and I, I just I remember my parents saying this, and I wonder if it's something that parents should do more. Do you ever say, let me look into this and get back to you later and just give it a good thought? Uh, <laughs> you know what? <laughs> I should do that. I really like that because yeah. there's been times where I, I should have leaned on that mm-hmm. for sure. Like, that's such a good cop-out until you know exactly. But honestly, maybe it's better to just say what you first get. Because I feel like you could, not you, but people could totally go on a loop with that one. Like a rabbit hole. Because then you're like, Mm -hmm. what would it imply if I say this? And then what would it imply if I say this? And how could it affect affect them for the rest of their life? Yeah, yeah. That's so true, too. just say what comes to you. Yeah. I don't know. It's so hard. Well, and then like, I don't know, it's super important to me because my mom growing up was very, very open with us in Uh terms of like anything sexual, anything that was like very, I don't know, kind of risky because she was always like, you know what, if you have, if you have questions, if you have any problems, like you can come to me, like no embarrassment. Like Uh I will not judge you. You can ask me anything. You know, I've been there, you've been there. We've, we've all had to kind of go through the same path to get to adulthood. Mm-hmm. And so I will not judge you for any question you ever bring me. Wow. And I always really loved that. And I always really I found that. that helpful. And so, like, I always want to be able to be someone that, like, not just these kids, but, like, any kid. Like, if, if someone has a question, and I would much rather have them learn from, like... I don't know, an actual person mm-hmm. than something strange that they find on the internet that leads them mm-hmm. into a strange rabbit hole of like not safe practices. Mm-hmm. Completely. I agree. Honestly, I, I did not have that. I always felt very open in some topics and others were completely off the table. I have to say it's also me. I, like I sometimes I wonder like how much it's you when you're a kid Ver- like how were you were just born your personality versus your parents like I've never been open about sexual topics at all at all like I can't explain mm-hmm. how with- well with people yes but not with like my mom yeah like, yeah this one time she tried to give me the talk and I was like mortified I was like no do not continue do not <laughs> and she couldn't give me the talk I prevented her from doing that so she got some books from the library about like they're like books for kids to understand the bees and the flowers mm-hmm. and all pretty much a book that will give the kid the talk for you. Yeah, like, uh-huh. with cartoons in a very like informative way. And she left left them at the entrance door. And of course, I had interest, so I picked in. So somehow, I right, did right, talk. So she did the next best thing I guess you could do. But I was like, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I do feel that there's like there's definitely things that you're interested in as a kid and want to learn. But like your parent is the last person you want to learn from. 100%. And so just- I always had like I yeah. always had like that cool aunt that you could ask things to. 
nice and so i don't know that's my hope is that like as a step parent or <laughs> as an aunt or as like a family friend that like i just hope that i can be that person for yeah you know any of my friends kids because it's not like i don't know you always need that adult that you can go to and trust mm-hmm. and sometimes it's not your parents just because you're afraid of letting them down mm-hmm. or you're afraid of them having to deal with some of like <laughs> some of what you're bringing to the table like we had talked before like I don't know maybe sometimes like in my teen years I went through stuff that was kind of traumatic and in the moment I guess I didn't recognize it as being traumatic but as an adult reflecting on it I'm like wow that was that was bad and Uh some of that stuff I would never want to tell my parents because I know it would still today like make them sick yeah to think about some of that and so like I get that there's some things that like you no matter how open your parents are or no matter how there your parents are, it's going to be hard to talk to them. They're not the person you want to tell it to. Do you feel like that aunt that you had a super cool relationship with that you could ask everything that she behind your back for your own good was telling your parents or do you think she really had your back and she would never tell them? Um, I feel like I'm on something she probably would. Like if it was something that was prominent enough that a change needed to take place at home to like change Mm -hmm. a pattern of behavior I'm sure that she would um which I feel like is probably the right choice because that's going to ultimately be like the right choice for the child Mm -hmm. you know you need that communication between who can make the change and who is just the person that's kind of like the vessel for that communication Mm -hmm. so I feel like it's probably the right choice but I'm sure that there's little things where like if it's like no cause for concern Right. you know it was just between us wow that's awesome because sometimes I remember feeling like as adults they had each other's backs like they would ultimately out me like imagine you tell your aunt about your first time like sexually for some reason you just want to tell her like this happened and there's not nothing wrong happened there's no reason she would have to tell your parents for like imminent danger or anything but I would feel like just because they're adults and between adults, they just think, oh, it's okay. It's just a kid. Like she would tell something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I get that for sure. Yeah. You know what? It's funny though, looking back. So like I said, I'm the oldest of only two. Sorry, taking a drink here. <clears throat> mm-hmm. um, I'm the oldest of only two. And there's three years difference between me and my sister. Mm-hmm. and I was always like the more reckless mm-hmm. and more I don't know like I, I definitely was the one to like be getting myself in trouble way more and so my little sister was also the person that I went to with like those first time stories mm-hmm. and looking back I'm like oh my god like I'm so sorry Heather <laughs> because <laughs> she was she was little still like she was probably only like 13 or 14 Mm-hmm. And, like, hearing stories that were, like, very adult. And she always handled them in, like, the most mature way where she would just listen and, like, understand and, like, tell me whether she thought it was a good idea or not. Oh, and, my like, God. She I was, like, 13 year old. Yeah. She, I definitely, I definitely, <laughs> like, pushed her into adulthood uh-huh. by making her hear some of the stories that I, like, was not comfortable telling other people mm-hmm. but needed to tell somebody. Mm-hmm. And so poor sweet Heather at 13 was like, I don't know. She was just way more mature than, than a normal 13 year old, I would say in that way. And yeah. like, 
I feel bad for her in some of those ways because I feel like it's also you're zooming into adulthood too soon you know like you should really take those those teen years those young teen years for for all you can you know don't take it for granted but I would say 13 pushed her 13 to 16 together with 25 to 28 I say is the two biggest changes you're ever gonna have oh yeah yeah like that's just I don't know you do so much growing both physically and mentally mm-hmm. during those years and then it just also happens to be the years that you're thrown into like social situations that are different than what you've experienced before mm-hmm. and I don't know it's just like this weird magic combination where you're just gonna get throttled through mm-hmm. adulthood yes 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 um yeah that's crazy so what things would you say that are your favorite lessons or the things that you're because I learned these from my parents I'm I'm set up for adulthood for success Mm, okay that's a good one so and some of these I may have mentioned before because I do think they are the most prominent so with my mom um my mom was really depressed like a lot Mm -hmm. of my childhood she just was she was dealing with a lot between she was still going to school when she had me Mm -hmm. um and so she was a student while also being a mother while also being an employee and so she was dealing with a lot and so I don't know it's kind of hard like in childhood we could definitely tell the mom was dealing with stuff Mm -hmm. um and like she never really took it out on us but we could tell that she was sad um and I remember like specific moments of being legitimately worried for my mom in terms of like is she okay Mm -hmm. um but I'm so glad that she did not hide that part of herself because coming into adulthood and recognizing that a lot of these feelings are not only valid but they're very common they're very common yeah Mm -hmm. like it's, it's kind of like a normal part of life unfortunately to deal with stress and it takes you some time to figure out how to deal with that stress Mm-hmm. And so I really liked not only seeing my mom go through that and understanding and learning that that was something that was common or mm-hmm. just something you could encounter. Um, but then I've also talked about how my mom, she, she discovered this other side of herself where I was closer into adulthood, where she kind of, she started doing yoga a lot more often. And I've talked about how she learned Reiki and she just, I don't know, she, she found the spot where she could not only calm herself and communicate with herself, but she, it also made her communicate so much better with others. Like mm-hmm. she's a very calm person now. And like, I was just talking to her last night um, and she's always just like, I don't know, she'll listen to you about anything. And she's always like, just have, you know, great communication with, with everyone and you know just recognize what they're trying to do or I don't know she just always has like the best advice now Uh and so I've learned from her not only that life is hard and we can deal with it but like to take time out and figure out how to kind of center with yourself and always 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 just like put kindness out there and do your best to like put positive vibes out there because it really does just bring those positive vibes back. Mm-hmm. And then from yeah. my dad, I would say my dad's worked a really hard job in, in mental and behavioral health. 
Oh, wow, um, I didn't know that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, he's a nurse, and so he works with, nice. you know, a population of people that are going through life differently than, uh-huh. than some of us. Right. And so growing up, we got to, we got introduced or we were just able to kind of see how my dad portrayed kindness to people that a lot of people would just ignore, I guess, uh-huh. like the homeless population being one. Like I remember going places with my dad and we'd pass like some hobo on the side of the road uh-huh. and he would pull over and he's like, I, I know this guy, I got to go talk to this guy really quick. And so he'd pull over and like go talk to somebody on the side of the road and like give them a couple bucks um, and just show them a kindness that I don't think they get showed by many. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately, like a lot of it is like drug abuse and, yeah. you know, but like these are people that they're still people and they just got themselves into a bad situation and now they can't dig themselves out of that hole. Um, and so I guess for my dad, I would say I really learned patience and compassion for people that are that's experiencing awesome. things different than me. That's awesome, especially to learn that from a dad. Because I feel like that's, like, usually we learn that from our mom. The compassion, nurturing, mm-hmm. yeah, being empathetic. So I think that's super special to learn that from a dad. Yeah, yeah, I would agree. I would agree. Mm-hmm. That is beautiful. Um, what about you? What would you say? I'd say from my mom, I think I've also said this before, but she's, I don't know another person like her in the sense that she's the definition of content and inner peace. Like she, I haven't met someone else that is so not worried about making more money, buying a new house, like all these things. And who's happy with the, the smallest things? Like she goes to the beach and has a walk in the beach that she's been at for I don't know, 30 years, more maybe. And she's just the happiest. Like, she doesn't need anything else. She takes it in. Like, there's no other place where she would be happier. She's happy here. She's happy now. She's present. And Mm -hmm. I'm not like that. And I need more like that. And to have grown with someone who's like that, it makes me feel like it's possible. And it makes me want to be more like that instead of being wanting to be more rich and famous I see her happiness and it comes from appreciating like gratefulness being grateful and appreciative and I think that I learned that value because sometimes if you don't see that and people just tell you like oh that's an excuse because you don't have money and you want to make it fine or things like that but no like I saw it firsthand how beautiful it can be to just be okay and from her I definitely learned that and then from my dad I learned the importance of your career and hard work and that definitely is inspirational too obviously like he took it to another extreme (laughs) we don't have a great relationship but all the years that he was in my life I definitely picked that up like the passion for work like he definitely likes his career a lot and it introduced me to the idea of not just having a job, but a career and liking it, right. and wanting to continue to work on that and making it a priority during the first years of your life. Like he always told me, these are the years to work on your studies, to not date someone until I'm done with my bachelor's. Like date around maybe, but don't let it take away. After you're done with your bachelor's, then 
you can start getting more distracted, but you need to at least be 100% focused. This time is for you until you're done with your bachelor's. And it worked, actually, because I had my first boyfriend right after my bachelor's. Mm-hmm. And I don't regret it. Yeah. I love that. Mm-hmm. I think that's awesome. That's funny because I think we've talked about also, I like flunked my entire first year of college. Mm-hmm. And my dad, my dad was like, you know, I just don't know that you're cut out for it. Mm-hmm. He was like, you should probably try to do like a tech school or something like that. And tech it school? pissed me off. Like, like some kind of like a, like a certification instead of an actual oh, degree. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> and it upset me so bad that like he I felt like he didn't believe in me that I felt like I needed to prove myself mm-hmm. um, and so then I went and I finished school in three years and my dad like I went through summer school like I did everything to like push myself improve myself and my dad now always jokes he was like I did that on purpose because you mm-hmm. you react really positively like you are someone that will do things out of spite mm-hmm. that's <laughs> so, all no. yeah like he he definitely pushed me even though as a kid I I definitely didn't appreciate it and that's one of those things where if we talk about things that we would do differently it's it's hard for me because I'm like I don't know like if I was raised differently I don't know that I would go out there and push mm-hmm. myself for some of the things that I do but as a kid I remember being very Heather and I would fight a lot because it's like just the two of us. It Uh sometimes felt like it was a competition. Right. To be better because my dad would point out like when one of us was good at something. And Uh so, which is a good thing, you know, but I always felt like it was some kind of a a competition. Yeah. (laughs) Um, That's very true. Always parents always know. And it's so funny because I think back to when I was in school and you would think that you can fool the teacher and then when I was at TA, I realized that from that spot, you see everything. There's no fooling the teacher. And I feel like with parents, it's the same thing. Oh, they yeah. Know they know everything. <laughs> they 100% know. They know you so well. They saw you growing up. They saw you pick up your mannerisms. They know everything you've learned because you learned it from them. Like, yeah, they know everything. And yet, we're like, oh, I want to like sneak and don't tell them. You're still going to know. You have no chance. You stand no chance. <laughs> so what would be something that you would change? Like something that you were like, yeah, they taught me this with the best intention, but actually didn't work. And I had to change that belief system or I had to change this habit or this just doesn't get me the results that I want. So something I would do differently, I think. My mom was always really self-conscious about her body, which I think is mm-hmm. a very, very normal woman thing to do. Oh, yeah. Um, but it meant that, like, growing up, watching, like, the family's eating habits, mm-hmm. like, we never had any kind of snacks in the house, really, um, or, like, treats or anything like that. Like, we were trying to be, like, a very, like, clean eating household. Mm-hmm. which I think was good because it definitely taught me to like foods that people don't normally like. Like I will eat freaking any kind of vegetable probably. Mm-hmm. Um, but it did also mean that when things like Halloween or like a friend's birthday party or something came around where we got exposed to treats, I would go on like freaking overdrive. Like I would, <laughs> I would try and eat like as much as I could 
because it was like I didn't get that at home you know like right it was like some crazy thrill to get treats and like we got treats on occasion of course like we, right. we still got treats but like the normal what was just around like there was never candy sitting around that like no one would just not eat mm-hmm. and that and I would say that it's that way now still for my parents because my parents um like they'll go out and get a treat and like it's like a thing for them it's like something that they can do to like celebrate something and so I would say our relationship with food and I don't know the answer to to that like I don't know like the right way to do that not that it was necessarily the wrong way I think that's just something I would do different Uh Um, like my mom I remember if she did get treats she would always hide them behind the microwave (laughs) that was sat Uh on the countertop and so still today if I go over there and I want a treat I always look behind the microwave because there's just probably something back there. And that's like her way of like getting it out of sight for herself. Mm. That way she doesn't keep eating it. Like she has to not see it. And it makes me the same way today where like I will hide food. Um, and in fact, in, in work, I had a coworker that used to hide candy in my drawers because when I found it, it was always the best reaction. I was always so excited. You would think it was like a million bucks and it was just like a little Debbie cosmic mm-hmm. brownie. And like, it was like the best treat I would ever find. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, th- that is hard because I can imagine as a parent, it must be hard to give your kid candy because you know what it can lead to and it is bad for you. But at the same time, you don't want them to have that feeling of like, oh, my God, right. whenever I get a right. hold of this candy, I'm going to destroy it. Like Exactly. Like, how do you yeah. find the right balance? And that's something that, like, I just, I just don't know. And like, like I said, having kids around, like, I still don't know how to do that the right way. Like, I try to find balance between, like, what we'll eat. But like, I don't mm-hmm. know. It's difficult because everyone wants to have something different or like there's certain things that some kids like and some don't and just I don't know it's super tricky you know what so I actually the think game is insane worked really well with us so we were kind of the same with the healthy eating so what my mom did is like whenever we had a treat it would still be from a whole not whole foods as in like broccoli but it would still look like food on a plate instead of coming from a bag or mm. from a, from a can so it would be like pasta or chicken but made like with oil like you would be a special type of food not with oil like fried but not like deep fried like on a pan I know what you're talking about yeah yeah something that's like a little bit more indulgent than normal exactly but but not like like super processed exactly and I just realized that actually I never thought about it but that's what she used to do Tuffy's going through it today <laughs> but that's what she used to do and now that I think about it it's really good because I think it's better to have chicken wings that you make at home instead of having a bag of chips or like a chocolate bar so yeah, that way you associate yeah. normal food can also be your treat if you do it in a less healthy way right right well it's funny because that's like that's something I'm still dealing with today like I was Mm -hmm. just barely talking about how I am just overeating food that makes me feel like trash 
and like also stopping when I'm full because like we live in the the American way is to fill up a plate so full that it like looks appetizing even though it's like four servings you know like that's Mm -hmm. not how much your body actually needs Mm -hmm. um and so like even less for like less about like fitness reasons or looks wise but like legitimately how you feel Mm-hmm. I I don't know that I recognized like how my body should feel until adulthood when I started eating really balanced. Mm-hmm. And so I feel like, yeah, food is one of the hardest things that I don't, I don't know the right answer, but I think that's something that I would try and change if I were to do something differently. Yeah, that's a good one. I think, and this, I don't know if it's the same for guys, um, but I would say that I do think I was raised a lot with the mentality of uh, pleasing others first and then yourself. And it was mm-hmm. never said bluntly like that, but it was definitely implied in all the actions. Like, even if you are not fully happy or comfortable or this is not what you want to do, you have to do it for this other person. Right. So that i think trickles down into trickles down into so many other areas you don't put yourself first not in a selfish way but in a healthy adult way and i definitely think that was something that i had to undo and i'm i'm like i would say 75 to 80 percent there but it took me a while to even recognize that that was there and that's why all these things were happening and then another one that i actually think was an issue is like I said we grew up dancing and we skipped in all the years and I was dancing from three to 18 so imagine how many classes I think that I didn't go maybe like once or twice in all those years we showed up to every class even if we were feeling sick even if we didn't feel well she made us go to every single class granted also like our teacher was pretty mean so it would be a huge deal if you didn't go but I think the fact the message that he sends that even if you're sick and especially I remember when I started getting my period it was really painful and I still had to go and the message that it sends that even if you don't feel well you still have to show up I don't think it's a healthy one at all Mm. like it is like I'm still undoing this one because I if I had an exam if I had a rough period, I would put myself, my well-being in the back burner. I would go into survival mode into the first thing is showing up to these things. And then I'll take care of myself. Then I'll do my hair. Then I'll eat healthy. Then I'll go to bed at the right time. When I think what you want to do is teach your kid to always be in a state of well-being, always be your best, and then tackle whatever fits in the schedule. It's okay to pressure yourself a little bit, but I think well-being should go first instead of your commitments go first and then you follow. You just show up like bad and incomplete, but at least you're showing up. I don't think that's valuable. Yeah, yeah, I get that one for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. I feel like that's something that's, I don't know. I I would say it's the American dream, but like, especially hearing it coming from you who's like, you didn't grow up like deep in the American dream, you know, Mm -hmm. like it's, it's a value that is beyond just one culture. Yeah. But yeah, I feel like for some reason it's the, 
there's the perception that you have to do the most even though that doesn't mean highest quality yeah it's like you're gonna get the highest quality output if you feel good and so like I remember so was it last year or the year before it might have been the year before um at work we were going through like the sick hours used Mm -hmm. and I had only used half an hour of sick leave for the Mm -hmm. entire year and everyone was like how did you do that Mm -hmm. and I would say that it's like the same thing where like even if I felt like crap like my job was to go to work and do my job Mm -hmm. and so like yeah we're raised to feel like we have to still do just about everything even when we feel like garbage Mm -hmm. that's so toxic if I ever have kids that's one thing I'm gonna make a point to not to be lazy at all but to always make sure that the first hour of the day is about you assessing what you need. It's about you having a proper breakfast, drinking your water. It's not to run to school. It's to do that. To take your time to dress the way that makes you feel good. To get out of the house in a, I got this way. I'm not, I'm running late. I'm have to get there. And I just mm-hmm. haven't taken the time to feel good through throughout the day. Like, no, that's not right. the, way, the way to go. I think that's a good one. That's a good, that's a good takeaway. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I would change those two. Man, thinking uh-huh. about like, mm-hmm. it's like a tough job. It is a super tough job to be a parent. Yeah. And like, you're, you're that for the rest of your life, which is crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I sometimes tease my mom because like yesterday with my little biking situation and she had to come pick me up. I was, I told her, I was like, I'm sorry. I've always been the child, but like, I need you to bail me out of situations always. Mm-hmm. And like now in adulthood, they're not like bad situations, but like, I'm always the one that's getting stranded somewhere. Like she just last year had to pick me up from a hike where I had fallen down and scraped up my hands real good. <laughs> and then locked my keys in my trunk and I had her dog with me and I locked his or her leash in the trunk and so it was like a whole situation and so like my mom's always been that person that had to bail me out and I just like I cannot thank her enough for being that person that like no matter what she'll show up mm-hmm. do you think parents love feeling needed like I love feeling Obviously, he's not my child, but I love feeling like Toffee needs me. Like, I have a purpose in his life. Uh-huh. And I wonder if when you have a kid, it's like that feeling times 10,000. Oh, I I would say so. I, mm-hmm. I feel like there's something about, like, being the provider for a person. Well, and that's something else that I've realized is, like, the longer you've been a parent, it seems like the more willing you are to take on caring for, like, other things. Like you take on more than you should because that's what you've done your whole life. Like that's what you're used to. You're used to being like the provider or the one that goes out of your way to do things. And I feel like that's kind of like a tendency of what I see. Like my mom will take on more than she's used to or anyone really, you know, I I just see people that go out there and I don't know. I feel like it definitely is something related to either feeling needed or like that's how you feel productive is caring for someone else mm-hmm. I'm curious growing up with two parents do you feel like that influenced your view on gender roles 
Um, well, this is, we could go on to a whole thing. So my, um, my degrees and my bachelor's degrees in sociology, mm-hmm. and I did my entire senior thesis on, um, like the socialization of gender roles. Mm-hmm. And so I, I don't know. I, I would actually say that growing up with two parents made, and maybe I feel like it's probably, it depends on who the two parents are and like what your upbringing is like. But my dad, I think, always wanted sons, and he got two mm. daughters. <laughs> but we grew up playing Welcome, like, WWE. Yeah, we grew up playing <laughs> WWE wrestling with the Barbies, where we would have like Barbie SmackDown, which consisted of like the Barbies holding their hands out at each other, being like, "I'm gonna take you down," and then we like <laughs> smack the Barbies down like they were wrestling. Um, or like I grew up throwing football with my dad. And that's still something we do today where I go over there and he's like, hey, you want to you want to throw the ball around for a while? And so like, I don't know, I, I grew up having like a very blended gender role situation just because my dad exposed me to things that were more predominantly associated with like male characteristics or stereotypes. But he being a nurse also gave him some more of those like not feminine characteristics but more softer kind mm-hmm. of the softer side of things and so I think that between my parents upbringing for me I feel like I was pretty blended um, mm-hmm. but I feel like growing up with one parent where you are getting those traits from only one person really you know you're only seeing that repetitive action that kind of makes you understand like what your what your role is or what values are only coming from one person can probably be very not singular but like very concentrated in one area maybe mm-hmm. yeah I can see that interesting which like I don't know thinking about that makes me wonder like what it's like for kids that grow up in blended families that have like three or four parents and yeah. then also get exposed to like additional siblings or like additional family. Like I wonder if there's a more spread out idea or teaching of like what certain roles are just because they have more exposure to like a higher variety. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I think, uh, do you think it's better for kids to have to grow up with, as much as an open mind as possible so they're super moldable or do you think it's good for them to have a very strong base and structure and then go from there and become their own person Mm. I feel like if I were to be like raising a child from scratch (laughs) scratch. raising a human from scratch (laughs) it's like growing Um, up hand (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that's like the the best saying of someone that's like never never birthed a child raising a human from scratch I feel like I would teach certain values very like like as a solid foundation but they would be the values that are like being compassionate towards people and being open-minded towards people but also being not skeptical but maybe skeptical like just knowing how to protect yourself from people who could take advantage of you Uh Um, and so I think I would try to like teach the balance there of like trust people but also 
but also verify, like trust people, but make sure you pay attention to times that people can be dishonest with you or Mm -hmm. times that people can be taking advantage of you. Um, But I feel like for the most part, I would want to try and be very open-minded or I don't know, just very open to like whatever this kid would want to become. Just because like, I think that's kind of how I was raised. I feel like my parents were very open-minded. Like, I seriously, I put my parents through the ringer. Like, I, I came home with, like, some of the strangest stories. Or, like, there was a time that I was working at an ice cream shop with only lesbians. Mm-hmm. For some reason, that's just who worked there. I don't know. I was 16. It was my first job. And I, like, had not had a boyfriend up to that point. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, oh, my God. Like, am I a lesbian? <laughs> like, I haven't had a boyfriend. And, like, I'm exposed to all these people now. Like, what does that mean for me? Mm -hmm. And so, like, my parents had to be very, like, supportive and open to, like, anything that I wanted to be while I tried to, like, navigate and figure out, like, who I was as a person. Mm -hmm. And it's so funny because, like, looking back on things like that and recognizing how easy it is for a young mind to, like, cling to an idea or interpret something in like a one worldview type way Mm -hmm. it's terrifying (laughs) you know like it's so scary to think that that there's kids out there that don't get the kind of support that I did where it's like it doesn't matter like we love you no matter what while you try and figure that out and so like I don't know they were just there for me in any single way and I I really appreciated that and so I think I would try to do the same thing Mm mm-hmm yeah that's super important I totally get that yeah I think for me it's like a mixture because I do think there's a lot of value on someone being very strong on certain foundations like I would say that's exactly how we were raised like there are some things that were very strong this is what it is we were raised um in catholicism but I we always have the feeling that we can't explore like I'm giving you something so you have some tools in your box already and I'm super grateful because these days I'm not a Catholic anymore I'm not Christian but I feel like it's always there for me like I grew up in it I know how it is I'm baptized confirmed everything and when I go to church if I ever want to have that feeling I can go but it's open for me to look for other things in fact yeah, these days I'm not Catholic so she gave us all these strong tools that are there and you can use, but also open the door for us to become our own person. And I think that's kind of what I want to do. But actually, I really like that you said that you want to teach, if you have like this human you're raising, to not be taken advantage of. I feel like that's something that most parents don't teach. I wonder if it's because they don't want to break our innocence and tell us that there are those people out there or what. But I wish I had been told more about it when I was growing up yeah yeah and I I totally get that too where like you don't want you don't want to give such a pessimistic or such a negative worldview to kids because I I've also seen where one of my my younger cousins um he's so highly intelligent and he's very exposed to like everything going on in the world and I do see that he kind of takes that on and feels like really heavily responsible for trying to figure out the world's problems. 
which you can do, you know, like you, you can't figure out as one person, you know, you can make a lot of changes one person, but like you cannot be responsible for feeling all of the negative things happening in the world. And so, yeah, I feel like it's definitely hard to find that balance between like helping a kid understand that while, while like most of the world is good, that you just have to be careful and you have to be safe without mm-hmm. like making them very negative about the things that are out there yeah I think that's probably the trickiest the thing that would be the trickiest for me if I were to raise a kid is keeping that balance of wanting to protect them and warn them without without tainting them or making them see the world as this scary bad dark place with bad people in it yeah, yeah. And if you think about it, isn't it kind of amazing how now that we're adults and we see all the dangers in the world, how we grew up without not knowing that all those things were there and our adults, our parents kept it together while they knew all the dangers. I know. I know. That's, I that's so out. true. Like, I don't know. I guess like the the end feeling that I have after this conversation is that parenting is incredibly difficult Mm -hmm. and I honestly don't know (laughs) like I was saying the other day as like they say that millennials are having fewer children or like people are waiting until later in life to have children and I think it's so crazy because I look at what parenting looks like from like my point of view not having any kids of my own And I look at it and I'm like, gosh, that is like incredibly difficult, pretty scary, (laughs) like trying to figure out how to kind of navigate things and do things, what would be considered like the right way or the safe way or the best way or whatever. And it's crazy that having kids is like the default, like it's just Mm -hmm. assumed of you that you're going to, to go through this path that seems so, so hard. (laughs) They say that? Yeah, it's crazy. Millennials have less children that bo- than boomers and gen z's want to have kids less than millennials so every generation sees having children more optional than the previous one right right which i think is huge like they start to think that having kids is not the only path and you can have a full life without kids and be just fine right right it's true like and that's the thing is like it comes down to like whatever you want to do but then I don't know I look at like I think it's special to take the time to recognize that like anyone alive today has a parent whether that parent is like someone that's been present in your life or not Mm -hmm. um, you probably had some kind of parental figure where like someone someone raised you or someone was there to like see your upbringing and recognize some of the things that those people had to go through to make you who you are today. And that is like freaking, that, that that's a lot. That's a lot. And like, I'm going to text my mom and dad right now. <laughs> and Good. like, I do that all the time where I text my mom and dad a little thank you where I'm like, hey, I know I was a butthead and I like see some of the things that you went through to get me to where I am today. And I am so appreciative of it. And Aww. I feel like that's meant like a ton to them. So yeah. If you're listening to this episode and you find us a, a little spot in your heart where you're like, crap, like I need to thank my parents. Freaking mm-hmm. do it. Freaking yes. do it. Yes. 
That's awesome. This episode was good. This was a good one. This was a good mm-hmm. one for sure. I feel like there's like a lot of gratitude and a lot of overwhelming feelings of just like recognition for how hard people do work for their kids. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's Love another it. week of podcast right there. Another week. Another week of heavy conversation. Exactly. <laughs> Those are my favorite. Over there, just like mom, (laughs) come play with me, mom. (laughs) (laughs) What would Toffee's voice sound like if he could talk? I don't know. He would be like a deep, old-fashioned old man, or would he be like a a playful? I always think he would be like a like a neutral twenty-seven-year-old guy. That probably yes. doesn't mind going to Starbucks and reading there. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I love this. I love humanizing animals. I think it's so funny. Me too. I do it all the time. He cannot escape it. I love it. Well, this was a good one. Thanks yeah. for always having these conversations where we can just like dive deep into our like past traumas or mm-hmm. like our deep thoughts. I always love these ones. Me too. Me too. And thanks but, for uh, listening. Yeah, thanks for listening. I'll make it for next you. week. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. We'll got another one coming to you next Tuesday. Yes. They're never stopping. Ever. <laughs> Ever. Okay, guys. Have a Catch great week. Catch you for the next one. Bye. Bye. <laughs>